Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Merry Christmas. And Glenn Leverance. That's how I know. This is Morning Air. On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Wednesday, January 4th, 2023. Good morning, Merry Christmas, and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air on the Memorial of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, the first U.S.-born person to be canonized. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverance and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. It's good to be with you all across America and beyond, wherever you may be here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Wednesdays, I always take a moment to remind you to pray to St. Joseph. On Wednesdays, we remember St. Joseph. He's a powerful intercessor. Go to Joseph. And we continue to honor the life and the legacy of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. For the last two days, thousands and thousands of faithful have visited St. Peter's Basilica, where the Pope Emeritus has lied in state. According to uh, the Holy See, around 65,000 people waited in line on Monday to see the body of Pope Benedict XVI, uh, with uh, more than 135,000 filing past the casket as of uh, last night. On Thursday, Pope Francis will become the first pope in modern history to preside as pope at the funeral of his predecessor. The Requiem Mass is set to take place Thursday morning in St. Peter's Square, beginning at 9.30 a.m. Rome time. Relevant Radio CEO, our very own Father Rocky, spoke about the upcoming funeral of Pope Benedict on WGN News Chicago. This is the first time I know of that a retired pope will be buried by his successor. So 700 years ago, there was a pope who retired, Celestine V, and it's not clear um, who celebrated his funeral. Um, he was canonized as saint years later, but it was really kind of a tough end to his life. So this is unique. I don't think it's going to be as grand as the um, a funeral of uh, John Paul II back in 2005 when like 3 million people came to Rome. I think it would be more subdued. And um, But he'll get all of the honors, all the ceremonies that uh, the Church accords him, and Pope Francis uh, will um, celebrate that. And he'll lie in state for the next three days, Monday through um, Wednesday night in St. Peter's, and they expect 30,000 people a day will pass by to pay their respects. Um, it's going to be very early in the morning. It's going to be 9.30 in the morning in Rome, so that's 2.30 a.m. here. We will broadcast it live on Relevant Radio, but I don't expect anybody's going to get up in the morning to watch it or view it. Maybe a few people will, but then it's always available on demand, as you know that. And that, of course, was our very own Relevant Radio CEO, Father Rocky. I want to let you know that Relevant Radio will provide live coverage of the funeral mass for Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Pope Francis will preside over the funeral, and the live broadcast begins at 1.40 a.m. Central Time tomorrow, uh, Thursday. Now, since uh, the live mass will be so early for most of us here uh, across uh, the U.S. and in North America, uh, we will also uh, present a rebroadcast 
broadcast of the Funeral Mass tomorrow, Thursday, at noon central. So please uh, join us and unite uh, with uh, millions of Catholics around the world as together we continue to pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Benedict XVI. And again, you can listen live at 1.40 a.m. central or on the rebroadcast at noon central tomorrow here on Relevant Radio. I want to bring in our Morning Air team, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, are, what are a few of the other big stories making headlines on this first Wednesday of 2023. The U.S. House trying to get down to business, guys. Uh, the Republicans in charge now, but not necessarily acting like it yet, having trouble uh, electing a new speaker on three tries. Uh, Kevin McCarthy failed yesterday. He needed uh, to get uh, 218 votes. There were five. He had room for four dissenters on the Republican side going into this. Five said they wouldn't vote for him. Turned out to be 20 by the end of the third ballot yesterday. They'll try again to uh, either come to a compromise with Mr. McCarthy or uh, come up with another candidate altogether. And until a speaker is elected, no business can get done in the House, guys. Maybe that he could work on getting some sort of celebrity endorsement. You know, I was thinking maybe Kelly Clarkson could come in and sing a song like this. (laughs) Maybe that would... Do you think that would entice some people to say, yes, capture the moment and you we can do this, guys? Maybe that would get him the extra. He just needs a couple extra votes. I don't know. That celebrity endorsements always work, so you never know. Hey, anything might work. It's going to it's going to take uh, some changing of hearts uh, for those uh, 20 Republicans to change their mind and, and vote uh, for uh, Kevin McCarthy. So um, it uh, it sure doesn't look good uh, for the Republicans. It's not a good look uh, for the for the party. No, uh, the party presumably working on it for at least two years, uh, hoping to get control of the House and uh You'd think they'd have that ironed out by now. But uh, as much as we think everything is an automatic rubber stamp uh, when it comes to these things, uh, that's not always the case. Hey, elsewhere, our hearts are uh, still going out to the family as well as uh, Damar himself, Damar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills safety that was uh, tragically injured during the Monday night football game in Cincinnati earlier in the week, still in critical condition. Reports are that his heart had actually stopped twice, once on the field. They did CPR to bring him back, and again after he got to the hospital, as well. His uh, family cautiously optimistic. The the latest word, they're kind of keeping an eye on how his lungs are doing as well. He still remains in critical condition. Well, we continue to pray uh, for uh, Damar and uh, and his family. Uh, just a just a horrible, horrible situation. And uh, and we pray that that he comes through and that he recovers fully. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And uh, no word on if they'll make that game up at all. And uh, they still plan to, to move ahead with the full NFL slate of games this weekend. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn and Sarah. We, uh, we begin every hour always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. And, of course, we continue to pray for the repose of the soul of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from John 6.51. Jesus the Lord says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. The baby of Bethlehem that we worship during this Christmas season is Jesus the Lord, the bread of life that we receive in the Holy Eucharist. Let's take advantage of Christ's gift of the Eucharist in this new year more than ever before. We always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. You can find us on Twitter at Morning Air Show as well as on Facebook. Uh, you can shoot us an email, morningair at relevantradio.com. And if you want to be part of the program this morning, our number is 888-914-9149. Now, uh, of course, we uh, can continue to say Happy New Year and Merry Christmas. The Christmas season is is not over yet. Perhaps you have uh, already started to feel some of those extra pounds from the holidays, or you just want to work on living a healthier lifestyle. Are you doing any of these New Year's resolutions. I know a lot of folks are. Why is it important to consider our physical health uh, in this new year? And how can we stay motivating and stay motivated and not uh, fall off the wagon, so to speak? Joining us uh, live is a Catholic author and clinical psychologist, Dr. Kevin Vost, to discuss some small changes that we can do uh, to uh, live a healthier life here in 2023. Dr. Vost obtained his doctorate in clinical psychology. He's taught at schools including the University of Illinois at Springfield and Aquinas College in Nashville, Tennessee. He's written more than 20 Catholic books, including How to Think Like Aquinas and his most recent book, You Are That Temple, A Catholic Guide to Health and Holiness. Good morning, Dr. Vos. Uh, Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again. Good morning, John. Happy New Year to you, and thanks so much for having me. Well, Dr. Vos, uh, this is the time of year where we talk about New Year's resolutions. Uh, do you think this is something that, uh, that Catholics uh, want to do uh, to, to improve their physical health? Yes, I surely think and, and hope so, you know, for, for so many reasons. I think we see this laid out most clearly in Scripture by St. Paul. In 1 Corinthians, he says, you know, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? For God's temple is holy, and that temple you are. So that's where my book title, You Are That Temple, comes from. And yet he returns to the theme three chapters later and says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? And then he says, So glorify God in your body. So yeah, we have this call to thank God for these beautiful bodies he's given us, to try to make them healthy, to try to make them fit, so we can you know, use them to serve God, to serve others. Scripture, of course, tells us that we are God's temple, and yet so many of us forget about this gift, uh, this gift of the temple of the Holy Spirit, and uh, in many ways uh, we end up abusing our uh, temple. Oh, yes, exactly. You know, in our catechism makes clear that says spirit and nature in man are not two natures united, but rather their union forms a single nature. That's paragraph 365. So the Catholic Church has always recognized the body is important. And I love one line from St. Thomas Aquinas, where he talks about the great commandment from Jesus to love God with all that we are and our neighbor as ourself. And Thomas says, when we're told to love ourself, he said, that includes loving our body as well as our soul. So, so it is something worth taking very, very seriously to try to show gratitude to God by taking proper care of our body, which many of us 
try to do usually at the start of each year with these resolutions we might make. Uh, Dr. Voss, why do most New Year's resolutions uh, seem to fizzle out after just a few weeks, despite uh, our best intentions, despite our really wanting to make some changes? Well, and they certainly do. I know for for years and years I would go to gyms. Well, you know, I, I always have. I enjoy doing that. And like in January, I can barely find a parking place. But by February, things are back to normal. So it is a very, very common phenomenon. But I think the main reason this happens in terms of health and fitness is oftentimes people's goals are they're too complicated. They're too unrealistic. You know, a person might vow, I'm going to go spend an hour on their treadmill every day when something much more mild might be maybe every other day or, or twice a week or maybe just a half an hour or maybe just start with 10 minutes. So, again, I think the reason most of the resolutions fade out is that they're kind of overcomplicated. So we need to look for very simple changes that we can make and then sustain over the long haul. You know, it kind of reminds me of the spiritual life as well. You know, both involve uh, discipline. And, you know, uh, for somebody that's not used to praying the rosary, I know that some spiritual advisors uh, suggest, well, then, if, you know, if, if it seems like too much to pray all five decades, just pray one decade. Oh, exactly. Exactly. The same principle there, you know, start, start in a simple way. Start with something that you, you know you can do, and you may come to love and enjoy that experience, the, the praying of the rosary that you find over time. Perhaps, now, perhaps eventually you are pay, praying the entire rosary. But, but yeah, but we should not think of it in terms of all or nothing. But those little steps in the right direction can add up greatly over time. Uh, Dr. Voss, there's so much that, that we can uh, do to, to make some uh, changes here at the beginning of the year. Can you, can you share with us a, a simple resolution that one might uh, do regarding improving one's diet? Yes, and this can be complicated because we're told so many conflicting messages about what we should and shouldn't eat. But if I would want to make this advice as simple as possible, I would say eat real foods. You know, as much as possible, eat fruits and vegetables and dairy and meats, the kind of things that are on the outside of the grocery store that your great-grandma and grandpa could not have eaten because they weren't invented yet. So, so generally, though, try to eat more foods kind of as God made them rather than all these ultra-processed foods. Because in that case, we're more likely to be giving our body what it needs to satisfy it, and we're actually going to be less likely to feel hungry all the time when we're giving ourselves more of these real foods that give our body what it needs. Uh, nutrition, what we eat is so important. Uh, you know, I've told my son, if you want to be a great athlete, you got to take care of your body. You got to feed your body properly uh, with, with protein. If you want to build up big muscles, you got to eat protein. You got to take care of the body. It's kind of like having an expensive car. You got to have the right gasoline for that Ferrari. Well, we got to take care of our body as well in the same way. That's exactly right. And protein in particular has long been emphasized and long been known for athletes. Bodybuilders, you know, weightlifters, uh, football players, all of a variety of athletes have recognized that. And now in recent years, there's even a greater acknowledgement amongst academic researchers of the need for protein in everyday people as we get older, as we age. Our bodies tend to lose muscle mass, and by taking in high-quality protein throughout our life, it may extend our life and make us more functional as we get older. So, yeah, that kind of protein that comes from the real foods that God gave us is very important. Dr. Vost, I read somewhere that uh, even 70- and 80-year-olds, if they lift weights and, and eat properly, they can stay very strong at an advanced age. Th that is true. The muscles themselves re retain the capacity to, to grow if they have the right nutrients. So some st I remember one study compared 80-year-old uh, 
men who were doing regular weight training, and they compared them with a the sample of 30-year-olds who were not doing the weight training, and the 80-year-olds were just as strong as the 30-year-olds. Uh, and for even people who start this training later in life, uh, you know, barring certain health problems, you're likely to be to see some realistic gains, and, and not from training every day either, from just a time or two a week even. It can make a real difference later in life. And we're not talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, big weights. I mean, you can get a lot done with, with small, you know, 10-pound uh, weights. Uh, you do a whole lot of exercises to, to keep yourself fit. That's exactly right. And some methods specifically geared towards older people, even with some bone loss problems, involve doing your exercises at a very slow pace, maybe taking 5 to 10 seconds, you know, to raise and to lower. So very non-traumatic ways you can use lightweight, simple household objects and give your muscles a real workout that will make you feel better. All right, let's talk about uh, a couple of things that, that someone can do to improve health and fitness specifically uh, through exercise. Sure. If I could give just two recommendations, I would say one. Over the years, you know, people used to think strength training was more cosmetic just to give you beautiful muscles. But they realize now it's very essential to, to maintain our health as we get older. So I would recommend that everyone, if they're, if they're physically able, if their doctor okays it, to try to do at least one strength session a week. And it doesn't mean, yeah, lifting big barbells. It can mean lifting very light weights, using household objects, doing push-ups. But if a person stresses their main body muscles as seldom as once a week, as little as 15 or 20 minutes, it can make a real difference. And then along with that, I would recommend that people, if, if they're able, be physically active almost every day. And this doesn't mean you have to go out and jog five miles or ride a bike or swim, but, you know, walking your dog, doing vigorous housework, mowing your lawn, those kind of everyday physical activities uh, can also make a, a huge impact. And, and combined with a little bit of a little dose of strength training, I think it's almost ideal. You can walk your dog, and if you're in a little better shape, you can even run with your dog. I love when I see people running down the street with their dog. Yes, yes, it seems like the dogs enjoy that very much, too. For sure. Um, let's uh, talk about uh, staying enthused uh, and not falling off the wagon uh, here at the beginning of this new year. Yeah, and that is important, too, because, you know, like in my own case, John, I've always enjoyed weightlifting. I've done it since I was in grade school back in the 1960s. But my diet has come and gone. You know, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. And there is a saying that you, you can't out-exercise a bad diet, and I think that's true. So I found myself, I stayed strong throughout my life, but some of my health parameters were not ideal. My blood pressure was up, my body weight was up, my waist measure was up. But I found that when I, when I really did focus seriously on these healthier, more natural ways of eating, that everything improved just drastically. My waistline shrunk, my blood pressure dropped more than 20 points. But, but to keep that, to keep from falling off the wagon, I tried to keep devouring books and podcasts and videos with good information on proper care of the body. Because that way, you know, I'm, I'm always learning and staying enthused. So I recommend that people do that. They inform themselves. So there's one appendix in the book, You Are That Temple, where I give over uh, 60 book uh, recommendations. And a lot of those are actually specifically written by Catholic authors on the themes of health and fitness. Yeah, because there's so many different perspectives um, on, uh, on on being fit, on proper nutrition. Sometimes it's it's hard to discern what's good and what's not. Yeah, that is true. And there there's so many ways to do it. There are so many good ways to train our body. Unfortunately, there also are some some dangerous ways out there that might not be you know best advised for some people. So it pays to to read deeply to, to find the pros and cons of the different methods. 
And, then, and one thing I do include in your that temple, at the end, there are 23 what I call temple tender tales. They're, they're personal vignettes from, from modern Catholics that talk about their own approaches to nutrition and exercise. And as you see in there, there's a variety of ways to do it. So I, so I recommend to most people, um, you know, find the form of exercise that you enjoy. You know, it might be a sport, it might be gardening, it might be barbells or machine training or whatever, but find something that, that feels good to you. And, and also in terms of nutrition, we don't have to all eat the same way. But if we focus on those real foods, you know, for some we might just enjoy eating steak. Others might enjoy eggs or whole fat dairy or cheese or, or love the great big salads and natural fruits. But the idea is hopefully you can find ways both to exercise and to eat that you're truly going to enjoy. You're going to thank God for giving you these opportunities, and they're going to make you feel so much better and so more thankful to God. Dr. Vos, where can our listeners get your book, You Are That Temple, A Catholic Guide to Health and Holiness? Well, it's published by Sophia Institute Press, so sophiainstitute.com could be the first stop. Then other Internet sellers would also have it, and hopefully local Catholic bookstores. Well, Dr. Vos, I really appreciate your encouragement. Uh, I know I've got some adjustments to make myself. I need to get out there and, uh, and exercise a little bit more and then continue to, to watch what I eat, and I'm sure that that goes for many, many of our listeners. But again, uh, thanks uh, for your expertise and your insights. Well, thanks so much to you, and God bless. God bless you, too. Uh, Catholic author and clinical psychologist Dr. Kevin Vost, the author of You Are That Temple, A Catholic Guide to Health and Holiness. We need to take a, a short time out when Morning Air continues. Personal success coach Dave Duran will join us to discuss the simplicity of getting unstuck. Stay with us as Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. This is Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverance. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Wednesday morning in this first week of 2023. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. Now, with the new year, perhaps you feel the need to change, to improve, and to grow, but maybe you're also feeling like you are stuck in a rut. (laughs) Do you feel sometimes like you are in a rut in life? (laughs) Joining us live from St. Myers, Florida, is our longtime Morning Air contributor and personal success coach, Dave Durant, to share this morning how simple it is to get unstuck and become the person you've been created to be. Dave Duran is an author, speaker, executive coach. He's the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media and a founder of Lighthouse Catholic Media and DE Media. You can always follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Good morning, Dave. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again here at the start of the new year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. It's, uh, it's great to be with you, John. Well, uh, Dave, uh, first of all, like, let's, let's talk about uh, what it means to, to be stuck. Can you define how a person could feel that they are stuck? Yeah, you know, this, ha- this is a quite common thing. And I would also say, suggest that we aren't stuck in every place in our lives. We're just sometimes stuck in certain areas of our lives. I mean, we can be stuck everywhere. But where you feel, you know, like you're you're stuck in your career, you're stuck in your, uh, you know, in a relationship that you need to, you know, deepen it. You're stuck 
in your spiritual life. This is a, a real thing that happens where people kind of just like they go into maybe um, uh, a, a habitual routine that that lacks, you know, uh, the, the, the sincerity that is necessary to deepen our faith. And that is not to say, by the way, that our, our faith needs to be an emotional thing all the time. But we get stuck or stuck financially or stuck in a physical rut or just altogether stuck in a particular mood. And so we need to we need to find ways to kind of jostle this up and move forward. I really want to stress that this is a natural thing. This is a very important thing to put out put out there is that the growth process for all human beings in all areas of our lives is something that it, it includes sometimes all of a sudden entering into this pause, whether it catches us off guard or we were, you know, kind of neglectful because we were exhausted or distracted or went through stress and then we enter into being stuck. So it's it's normal. It happens to almost everybody. In most cases, people have one area of their life that they're stuck in and they need to kind of jostle things around and, and move forward. Yeah, it's, it's possible to, be, to uh, be very successful, for example, in business, but totally neglect uh, your body or neglect uh, your family. Yeah, that happens a lot. And, uh, and or the other thing where people, you know, take these things to a very high level, uh, but they neglect other things. But, you know, they're all very related. It's always an interesting thing when a person says, oh, my family is my highest priority, therefore I neglect my work. Wait, what? Really? I don't think that works that way because you're supposed to be providing for your family in that regard. And I've seen people do that before uh, where they literally are unable to pay their bills, but they're not even attempting to work because they're making some sort of an excuse one way or another. And, you know, that's, of course, certainly not the case for everyone. But I'm just saying I've seen this where you're like, wow, you're literally perpetuating this all under the false guise of being, a, a, you know, there for your family when your family is saying, hey, I want you out of the house working right now. Or a person um, says, oh, I'm staying healthy for my family. And all of a sudden now their body becomes a God to them where they need to work out six hours a day and you, know, they, you can't be around them because they have no flexibility in their diet or anything like that. And yet they say, well, I'm just being healthy for my family. Nah, you know what? Sure. Actually, take some time away from work. Don't be the person who's spending all the extra time. Absolutely. That's a real thing for your family. Absolutely. Keep yourself in good shape for your family. That's true too. But when these things cross a particular line now, we start to uh, enter into getting stuck in certain places. All right, let's you have I know you have a number of uh, suggestions, some steps to getting unstuck. Let's talk about uh, the first step. Well, the first one, John, is eliminate confusion. Make things as simple as possible. Uh, and you, you've heard me talk about this before, but I, it is worth saying that we have primary responsibilities in life, primary responsibilities at work, primary responsibilities in all sorts of things. And then we have secondary responsibilities. And oftentimes our primary responsibilities are difficult. Uh, and so we neglect to do them. And we know that if we neglect to do them just to go to the beach or a golf course, then clearly everyone is going to see how wrong that is and we're going to totally feel guilty too. So what we do is we go to our secondary responsibilities that we like a little bit more. They're not as stressful. And then what we do is we complicate our secondary responsibilities. Why? Because we have to come up with a reason for why we didn't do our primary responsibilities. So it would be like, you know, it would be like you, John, saying, well, of course I couldn't be on the air. I was doing all the planning for the shows. Okay, wait, what? That actually doesn't make any sense. No, you've got to be on the air doing the shows and, of course, the planning around that. So we have to make sure that we keep things simple. The old uh, K-I-S-S, uh, keep it as simple and straightforward. Yeah, and when we start to confuse things, oftentimes we do it with our language and our wording, too. 
Um, if, in fact, I've had this situation where there have been a couple of people that I've had to sadly let go throughout the years because I'll ask them about their job and how it's going. And then when they start to speak to me, even if I start a particular company and when you start a company, you have most of the roles at first yourself. So you're very familiar with the role and then you, you know, de you know, delegate, pass it on, build the company, right? But I'll talk to them about the business and something that I know well. And when they're talking to me about their job or their role, I don't even understand what they're saying. And I said, well, wait, can you explain that to me again? And it gets so complicated that you can tell what they're doing actually is to intentionally complicate the circumstance so that they can confuse you, by the way. That's one reason. And then actually so that they can themselves, you know, uh, have a pass at going toward uh, accomplishing things because it's so difficult. Now, now, sometimes people are just confused and they need to understand things better. That's true. There are some people who are not intentionally trying to confuse things. But most often, when you see a very smart person who is at one point very productive and good at something, all of a sudden now speak about simple things in complicated ways, there's a self-justification factor almost always present. All right, Dave, uh, what about uh, another uh, step to get unstuck? Well, this is a big one. We need to bring order to our lives because order can bring peace and peace can bring prosperity. But you cannot have prosperity without peace and you cannot have peace without order. So order comes in time. It comes in uh, appropriate tidiness and neatness. You know, my parents used to say that our house was uh, it was uh, healthy uh, or it's clean enough to be healthy and dirty enough to be happy. <laughs> so there's <laughs> there's kind of a, a, a medium that can be there. But the point is that you need order. You need cleanliness. You need order in time, too, so that these things aren't wasted. And that order will bring order into finances. It will bring order into uh, just the, the, the routines that we have in life. So it's very important that people start to embrace a routine. That's one of the reasons that if people go on vacation after a period of time when they're out of order and out of sorts, they say, oh, my gosh, I put on five pounds or I, I got it. Oh, I spent money on this and, oh, I'm just exhausted and I just... I have anxiety now because of all the relaxing I did. <laughs> I need to go back into the hard work of order in order to feel better. And that's a real thing. I can totally relate to that. You know, I've often thought that, uh, you know, it goes for kids as well as, as grownups. You know, having a clean room, a clean environment so you can study better, maybe uh, in business, uh, an organized office, uh, having a planner, whether it's a digital or, uh, you know, a physical planner. Any of these things can help us uh, to, to have uh, that uh, uh, a proper order. Yeah, being able to see what your life is supposed to look like on paper or digitally where you can, you can actually visualize this is where I'm supposed to be and when I'm supposed to be there. Because there are some people, very, very, very few. Most people who claim to be this are not and they fail in accomplishing it but there are some people who literally have this memory that allows them to actually you know embed things into what their schedule actually is but most of us are not quite that talented so we need to take and have the discipline of writing down the appointment making sure that there's an alarm set uh, what a what a great thing to have the technologies that we have today to remind us of all sorts of things that we might have otherwise forgotten and so we need to be able to see that calendar see that schedule in order to be able to be more effective with engaging in it. What about uh, the physical aspect? Um, how can uh, our, uh, our bodies and how we take care of our bodies also help us uh, to get unstuck? 
You know, this is a really interesting one, and this th this goes beyond just physical. But let's let's use physical for an example. Let's say you're feeling stuck at work, or you're feeling stuck just in other areas in your life, wherever you interact with people. Well, a lot of times it has nothing to do with those things themselves, but it has to do with the fact that your sleep patterns, or there's too much caffeine, or there's too much alcohol, or there's too much nicotine, or whatever it happens to be, uh, you know, too much late night TV that gets you to not sleep effectively. That these sorts of things, or or just even your diet, or you know, being too sedentary. When we do these sorts of things and now we drive down our energy, we don't have the ability to apply ourselves to the things that we want to do. So all of a sudden now we'll say, I'm stuck in my relationship. Well, you're really not stuck in your relationship other than, the, now it, it feels like it, and you're getting that feedback from the people that you're, you're with. Why? Well, because you have low energy. So they feel like you're not there for them or they want to do a little bit more. They want to be a little bit more active with you and you're just not up for anything anymore. And so you can't participate. You can't do the things that build relationships by, you know, you know, doing things together and having the energy for it. So energy management is just as important as time management, possibly more. A simple adjustment of just trying to get more sleep every night, going to bed at a reasonable time can, can make such a big difference. Yeah, all these things do. And that's why the patterns are important having that routine and that order. And by the way, I do want to point out that sometimes it's a little bit, you know, it's organized chaos. That's a real thing. Not everybody has the same Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So that just means that you need to have, you know, your Mondays the same and your Tuesdays the same, even if they don't match each other or whatever the pattern happens to be. Because, you know, life is very, very um, uh, complex uh, with, you know, family and work and uh, all the different responsibilities that we have. I want to invite our listeners. We are taking your calls this morning for Dave Duran. If you want to share any of your thoughts about getting unstuck, uh, if you're feeling stuck, uh, if you've dealt with it in the past, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can be part of the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. We're going to take a short uh, time out as we continue our discussion with executive coach Dave Durant, co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media. Stay with us. We'll be right back with more after this. I'm going to stick like glue. Stick because I'm stuck on you. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is our number. We're talking about some practical steps, uh, the simplicity of getting unstuck with our personal success coach, Dave Duran, this morning. Uh, Dave, welcome back. Hey, good to be back. Uh, let's talk about the, the fourth step to, to getting unstuck. And I think that this is a really, really important one. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you think about it, even just looking at the first three, eliminate confusion, bring order to your daily life and get your body on your side. Well, how is that going to be more effective? Well, when we pray. And this is one of those things where, you know, we can ask all of the advice that we want of everybody on earth to be able to be more effective. But there here is God who loves us perfectly, who created us, who created us with particular purpose too. And that we are now somehow not going to be able to 
have value in talking to God about temporal things like getting unstuck. So, you know, this topic is about getting unstuck. I mean, if you're talking about prayer, it's a much deeper thing than this. Than this. I mean, we have a dialogue with God so that we can ultimately be with God in heaven. I mean, that is exactly right, that we, we want to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, minds, and souls. That's what we want to do. But what's so great about our relationship with God is that he allows us to do this in the most practical ways. That, you know, we're trying to find a parking spot and we can't find one, but we have a very urgent meeting that we need to get to, so we say a prayer, you know. And why not? Why not engage with God? Or we find one and we thank him. We praise God for the great parking spot. Yeah, sometimes it's amazing. My, my wife said a prayer to the Holy Spirit. We could not find a, a parking spot. Within 10 seconds, boom, there's a parking spot. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, nobody has ever said before the key to getting to heaven is prayers about parking spots. Okay? Because <laughs> we don't talk about those details. But the, the daily interactions that we have, if you think about friendship and you think about family, you think about building relationships, it's not always gazing in the other person's eyes and saying, I love you. It's fun, little silly banter. It's trying to find the parking spot together. It's these sorts of things that we do to build union. Well, our relationship with God is very much like that. It's, of course, ultimately speaking, the beatification is to have that intense image of love. But we do that with the interactions that we have throughout the day. So why not say, Lord, I'm stuck. I'm literally stuck. This is the thing that happens. I'm trying to avoid eating ice cream every night, but I do it every night. Help me with this. Or I'm trying to find a job and I just can't get the doors open because I'm in this job and I don't like it. Please help me with this. And then when those things go well, to not forget to always thank God and praise him for the work that, uh, you know, for the, the value and the benefits that we receive of the love that he provides in these particular ways. And, and actually, if he's keeping us in a place for a particular time, to know that he's doing it for our own good. You know, as a football fan, I always remember uh, the late, great uh, Vince Lombardi he used to say, God, family, Green Bay Packers, uh, or you fill in the blanks uh, uh, to your yeah. third uh, uh, priority. But I think the, the God part, God, family, and then whatever your vocation is, it's important to have that priority. It is important to have that priority, and we have a tendency to move away from that priority when our lives are not ordered in a way that we, we, we avoid seeing and being around people that we're hurting because of the way that we're behaving. And if we're not living according to what God's will is, then we want to dialogue less with God. And so this is important for us to keep in mind because there's all sorts of order involved in all these things. All right, Dave, what is the next thing that we can do to get unstuck? Well, it's examining the seven deadly sins in our own lives. And, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, those great deadly capital sins, but it can be smaller ones too, but examining them in our lives because they oftentimes are the things that make us stuck. I mean, you know, if you think about it, you know, the, the, the Garden of Eden, if there was no such thing as sin and none of us ever sinned, there would be no disease, there would be no strife, there would be no divorce, there would be no disorder. And so, you know, we're already in that environment now. So it's not like, you know, we, we're going to be able to change some of these natural things that are already just kind of in motion. But if every single person in life lived a purely perfectly holy life, they would eliminate enormous numbers of problems in their life. They would not eliminate all of them because we all have free will and their neighbors, friends, and family could choose to do sins that affect their lives in a very harmful and hurtful way. But the self-inflicted things that we do by living in, not in accordance to God's will, uh, we can eliminate a whole lot of problems. 
And the the beautiful thing that for us as Catholics is that we have uh, the gift of confession. You know, of course we're going to make mistakes. Of course we're going to sin. But we have that beautiful sacrament uh, to wash us clean. Yeah, life is hard, and that's just true. And one of the reasons that most people, well, in fact, it's the reason that we all sin, is that we are looking actually for a higher good, but we're doing it in a way that might have wicked tendencies. And, you know, but at the same time, what are you ultimately looking for? You know, ultimately, a person in gluttony is looking to be satisfied. Who satisfies? God. Same thing with lust. Same thing with avarice. Whenever we have these sorts of things, pride. What are we looking for? We're looking to have that fullness of fulfillment. Where do we find that? In God. So if we are looking to do that in things that glorify God, okay, then those particular things, eating, drinking, being merry, having relationships, ordered, uh, bring us closer to God. But disordered, they become gods themselves, and that becomes a problem for us. Perhaps uh, an examination of conscience could, could, could really help us in trying to discern uh, which of those seven deadly sins uh, might be in our life. Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. A regular examination of conscience is a great practice, along with routine confession. It is a great practice as well, too, because the more we avoid those things, the more we weaken ourselves and enter into patterns. All right, Dave, uh, the sixth step uh, to um, simply get unstuck. Well, it's to develop the virtues um, that are necessary to continue to grow in this particular way. And this, John, you know, we talk about all the time, but the reason for it is because that has a practical level everywhere. You know, um, it's a very funny thing in the workplace. uh, Every time I have a meeting and I'm talking to people about, okay, we need to accomplish this. So let's bring in a better technology. Let's hire a person who's really good at managing that particular technology. Let's put together a really great marketing campaign. Let's get all of our minds on this, make sure that we're doing everything from that perspective. So all these things that are just basically worldly, secular types of things that produce a very high-end, super quality, great product that people are going to like and see. But the meeting is always enough. It really falls short if you don't stop, step back and say, what really is going to make that work? If our competitors are doing the same thing and they have the same access to all the things that we have access to, okay, same resources, same, same talent pool, they can, they can go after all of these things, same technologies. And by the way, the world is more like that now where you have access to these things. Then what's the differentiating or what's, what's the factor that will, you know, fuel basically the difference between your organization and theirs? It's if each person on your team wants to be the best version of themselves. That is that actual key thing. And where does that come from? It comes from the virtues, the cardinal virtues, which are natural virtues. They're not the theological virtues. So we have all have access to you know, having prudence, mastering decision-making, that sort of thing. There's more to it than that. But to, to then having justice, right? Who wants to work in an organization where things aren't fair? People quit. Oh, it's not fair that so-and-so treats me this way or treats me that way. And then to have fortitude, to stick through things when they're difficult, and then to have temperance, to resist the things that tear things down. Those things, if you think about all of the plans you want to put together, and they don't have those in the individuals that are performing those tasks, it's, there's, there's no competition in who's going to win that, win that day. Well, Dave, I know that virtue is something that you've been talking about for many years, and you've said it in the past that you can experience success uh, without virtue, but you cannot keep it. Yes, that's exactly right. You can, you can be a one-hit wonder, and there have been many people who are one-hit wonders. And ironically, what they do is they have an emulation of virtue for a short period of time 
on whatever the thing is that they need to do to get there. To use just kind of like famous examples, they really, really discipline themselves in learning how to play a particular you know, bit of music and they master this sort of thing. And that discipline is there until they have all sorts of fame, but now all of a sudden it unravels and they become the classic, literal, one-hit wonder. And, uh, and so we need to make sure that we're fortifying these virtues and that we have a balance of virtues and that we build on the current virtues that we have so that we have the further virtues that can help us uh, have more control in our lives. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad idea to control what you can in life. Um, some people say, well, you know, you know, Jesus, take the wheel. Yes, absolutely. But literally, if all of us let go of the wheel and went down the highway, that would not be, a divine, that would not be what God wants. We need to hold the wheel unless there's an emergency and we can no longer steer because we are beyond our ability to control things. And then God comes in and takes the wheel for us. All right, Dave, you've given us some, some great suggestions. What is the final step uh, to simply get unstuck in life? This is a huge and important one. And it is to bloom where we are planted and then make a move if need be. See, too many people get distracted because they're, they're, they're not ever stopping to experience the value of the position that they're in right now. What state in life are you in right now? Even if you don't want to be there, you're trying to escape it. And we all know that, by the way. I can't wait until I this. I can't wait until I graduate. I can't wait until I find the, the person in my life. I can't wait till this. I, you know, I, I, I need this next thing. I can't wait till my business is uh, bigger. I can't wait till we move into the new house. But wherever you are, bloom where you're planted, okay? And then if need be, you move on. This is a very important thing because many of the experiences that we actually could be having if we decided to bloom where we're planting or planted would make that that place where we are actually the place we want to stay. So do your best to bloom where you're planted. Well, it's a matter of, of doing the little things and, and doing them where we are planted, and every one of us has a, a unique uh, mission in life. As always, I, I appreciate uh, some of these practical uh, steps uh, on getting unstuck. Dave, thanks so much for being with us uh, this morning. Thanks, John. Many blessings. Happy New Year. Speaker and executive coach Dave Durand, the co-founder and executive chairman of Best Version Media. You can follow Dave on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Continuing our series of Christmas stories, our story today called, What Have You Heard and Seen This Christmas? It's from the Salvation Army. Oh, you say, had I been there at Bethlehem that night, I would have seen, I would have understood, I would have known it was the Christ child. Would you? There's one way of knowing. Ask yourself what you've seen and heard this Christmas season. Here's how we see it from the Salvation Army. Some watch the 6 o'clock news and see chaos and strife. We see sheep without a shepherd. When they go out to do their shopping, some see only hordes of people in stores. Might they have noticed the worried expressions on some of their faces? Worried because they're facing this Christmas without employment or enough money, or they don't know how they'll make ends meet? What do we hear at Christmas? Do we hear only the blast of music and carols? In the army, we hear the silent sighs of the lonely and bereaved who may be dreading Christmas because it accentuates their loneliness. And in the midst of the sounds of honking horns and people arguing over parking places, Listen for the sounds of laughter coming from SA Christmas parties for all types of people because so many unknown people furnished food and toys for families, children, and the desperate. You see, so often what you see and what you hear is not dependent on the event but upon 
yourself. If you in fact did hear the cry from the lonely, the laughter of poor children, if you saw the sheep without a shepherd, then and only then might you have noticed the events that took place in Bethlehem that night. If you're missing these spiritual sights and sounds, then you probably would have been with the 99% who were present but saw or heard nothing out of the ordinary that night near the stable. In the end, perhaps, one of our carols words at best, no ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls shall receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. I want to remind you that Relevant Radio will provide live coverage of the funeral mass of Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. Pope Francis will preside over the funeral, and the live broadcast begins at 1.40 a.m. Central Time tomorrow, Thursday, and it'll be rebroadcast at noon Central. That'll do it for this Wednesday edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverance, producers Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, and our entire Morning Air team, I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Thursday on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Medrizzo is straight ahead. <laughs>